Cincinnati. to episode 204 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons, and we return to you in Super Bowl week, a week that we could well have featured in, but let's not dwell on that, shall we? Let's not uh, rub salt into the wounds. Let's not pour fuel onto the fire. Uh, so uh, we always do some sort of Super Bowl preview, but... Uh, um, we're probably not going to talk about much, talk much about the Super Bowl actually, because there's so much other stuff to talk about. Off season, what off season? I hear you cry. So much has happened in the last week, Bengals wise, that uh, it would be remiss of us to discuss all the news. And uh, joining me, thank goodness, because I've just had a horrendous bout of the flu. So apologies if you hear me spluttering and coughing and in the background uh, with me hopefully going to lead this show Nathan, I've not told you this but you're going to do most of the talking it is of course Nathan Palmer, hello Nathan How you doing my son, I'm hoping our regulars um, aren't switching off with the news that I might be doing more talking this evening but um, yeah, I'm sorry Don't make me laugh either because I'll probably cough uncontrollably (laughs) at any moment um, well, sorry to hear this, son. It's that time of the year, isn't it? You know, the weather's just starting to slightly warm up. The germs are flowing. God, you sound like the pharmacist I went Leamington. to this morning. And he said, oh, there's a lot of it going about. I was like, well, that's no consolation to me, is it? Because I've just got whatever's going about. So I don't need to be told that there's a lot of it going about because I've got what's going about. Now, just give me some shit to take. And uh, I didn't say that. I thought that in my head. Um Anyway, yes, there is a lot of it going about, apparently. And uh, trust me, old Muggins here, to get to whatever it was that's going around. God, I got a cold so thick over the weekend that um, I couldn't hear anything. Have you ever had a cold like that before? I don't think so. I'm, my, my, I'm, I need to touch wood fairly seriously, but my immune system's fairly good with the old colds. Fairly right. No, I've not had a cold for about four or five years, and I remember the time when I had a cold as bad as this because um, I had to go and interview one of my teenage crushes. It was... Um, you had to interview her? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like a showbiz interview thing, and um, I had to go and meet her, and... I got a cold about four days before and um, I thought I can't believe it it's like my life I've been dreaming of meeting this woman and I'm not going to not go to this even if I give her a really bad cold and that sounds awful Uh, of course this was way before the days of Covid I wouldn't have done it if I had a Covid Uh, but I went and I got through it and I had a really nice photograph of me hugging her as well so that's uh, poor her what do you mean, poor hey, cheeky sod? She might, um, have been, she might have been fed up. I feel like we're cold for the next couple of weeks after you behaving like that. Well, I, I checked her Instagram. She didn't say she'd come down or anything. So um, afterwards, that is. So um, I think I got away with it. But what a thrill. What a thrill that was. There's no way. But, you know, I knew that I was meeting you tonight. Also one of my teenage crushes, Nathan. And... Uh, I couldn't not come along, so apologies if I give you a horrendous cold on the via the airwaves. Um, but it seems to be on the way out, so fingers crossed that it's uh, on the way out. Anyway, right, where do you want to start? Go on, it's your podcast. You talk. Um. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what? God, you're we have to Go on. Hold on, yeah, go on, go on, go on. DJ Green. DJ Green. Who's DJ Green? Oh, sorry, AJ Green. Yeah, she, yeah. 
you bunged up, son. You can't hear what I'm saying. But I think we've got to go with AJ Green. I love we? DJ. Come out. I love DJ Green. He's brilliant. But yes, AJ Green. Um, yes, what happened with AJ Green? Tell. So AJ Green yesterday announced his retirement for the NFL, um, and. I think a lot of people knew it was coming, didn't they? His sort of career was winding down a bit. He had a pretty good year the year before in Arizona, and this year was a little bit, you know, stop-start for him. I think he had about 300 yards or so, obviously in a difficult system for them. But he's calling it a day, and I think for all Bengals fans, the outpouring of emotion that we saw um, on social media, some of the stuff the team have put together for him already is fantastic. And you look at him, he's 34 years old. He's had an unbelievable career borderline Hall of Fame career. I think that'll be an interesting discussion when it comes up. Um, just a, what a man, what a lovely man, what a fantastic athlete, someone that you're proud to say was a core part of this organisation for a long period of time. It's um, You're right. I think um, it's easy to forget how good he was, especially now we've got Chase and Higgins tearing up the NFL and Burrow and all the rest of it. But uh, rewind one generation, and AJ Green was just fantastic, wasn't he? He was just—I mean, I think I'm right in saying that um, six out of his first seven NFL seasons uh, were were thousand yarders, and he was on pace to, you know, break all sorts of records. Certainly, the franchise uh, receiving yards records. Um, um, and he and he was part of that team that got to the playoffs five yeah. times in a row. He was one of the best, certainly top three in the league at that time. You would say, yeah. Um, so, what did it? But you know, as fans, we form emotional connections. Not you know, you know, we we can go through the stats and statistically, he was fabulous for the first sort of seven eight years. Uh, seven straight Pro Bowls as well. Let's not forget that when the Pro Bowls actually meant something. Well, not even then they were starting to go go a bit, weren't they? The Pro Bowls uh, back in the early 2010s when uh, AJ uh, came on board. But um, yeah, his uh, his his start to his career was just spectacular. So you can read through all the stats and acknowledge what a fa- fabulous player he was. But emotionally, I mean. As I say, fans like us make emotional connections to players. What did what did he mean to you emotionally? Because I, 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 I get, do get the impression that AJ Green was the reason why a lot of Bengals yeah. fans became Bengals fans. You know, absolutely. And with AJ Green, the the thing that really stood out to me was when he came in with Andy Dalton that year in 2011 the Bengals were, were supposed to be the laughing stock of the NFL there was a couple of journalists out there that had him going 0 and 16 you felt like there was very little hope and what him and Andy Dalton did in that first year where they came out got this team to the playoffs he had over a thousand yards as you mentioned seven touchdowns it was incredible and I think at that time, everyone just thought, wow, this this is the start of a new era. And it was, and it was a really successful one. And he was just someone you were proud to have on your team. He was a true professional. He was a physical presence. He was a great downfield threat. He played well in the big games. You know, he, he was just a fantastic, stereotypical number one wide receiver. And he played in an era where there were a lot of divas out there at that sort of um, at that position, people getting in contract disputes, people, you know, with the antics on the field. I think wide receivers at the best of times can be slightly more um, inflammatory personalities. And that was the exact opposite of what AJ Green was. He was very humble, calm, you know, apart from when he's beating up Jalen Ramsey. But he was a great ambassador for this team. And it was a real shame at the end of his career, I think, the last. Um, year back in what 2018 wasn't it? He, he played half the year. Um, I think believe he was on course probably for a thousand yards, and he got I believe it was turf toe, wasn't it? He got yeah. um, some sort of injury there, and then he missed the entirety of 2019. And that I final was, year was with us. Yeah, I think it was uh, ankle ligaments. I mean, th- that yeah. was that was from the practice at that that old stadium in in was it uh, Dayton? Yes. I think it was that historic stadium. Yeah. I yeah. think he did his ankle ligaments in, and there was yeah. So his his career with the Bengals sort of petered out a little bit. Unfortunately, he obviously didn't quite get on with Zach, and well, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Who knows? But 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, crossover of eras that wasn't it? Because someone put up a video the other day of Joe Burrow throwing a uh, touchdown pass to AJ Green, and there was only one. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and I couldn't even believe that. That was a. Re- it feels like that never happened. You know, it was a really strange sort of time there with Joe Burrow coming in and Green on his way out. It was a real sort of crossover of eras. Even to think of Zach Taylor with AJ Green, like it. Time does move very quickly with that. It feels like AJ's been gone for a long time when, yeah. in actual fact, it was only two seasons. And that's because the last two years of his career with Cincinnati, or two and a half years, he wasn't on the field much. You know, we only saw two touchdowns from AJ Green from um, 2018, 2020, and he wasn't the same player, obviously, because he wasn't playing that we saw at the start. But mm. you look back to that period at the start, and that's as good as it gets. Um, you know, the sort of production he's putting up, 13, 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns. I mean, it really was incredible play. And, you know, he he's someone that I hope gets into the Hall of Fame. I think as a wide receiver, the competition is going to be extremely tough. Um, I think the lack of postseason success will probably hurt him. Well, let's let's uh, what we're going to do, because we've got a lot of questions and some of them refer to the subjects that we're going to be talking about throughout the show. So instead of bringing the correspondence at the end, let's bring in some correspondence now and because uh, they're relevant to the discussions that we're having. Uh, Simon Walker at Grass Bandits. Um, Solid handle. AJ, Hall of Fame or Ring of Honour? No. It'd be in the Ring of Honour. There's no oh, question without, about that. Without, no a shadow about doubt, that. without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to make the the Hall of Fame I, I tend to think I'm going he, no yeah I think he'll probably be on the outside looking in it's a bit like Chad I think he's a little bit like Chad where if he had one more big year another thousand yards in Arizona so just to kind of you know just to show that he could do it with a you know, in a number of locations you know what I mean that that would have yeah, been yeah like if, if in that 2021 year maybe he'd had a 12 or 1300 yard season and 10 touchdowns and they'd want to because he, they, he did actually make the playoffs with Arizona I believe in 2021 but they didn't mm. they didn't win that game and I don't think he had any real involvement so I, I they won a couple of playoff games and he you know he, he chalked up his stats a little bit more he would have perhaps had a chance but I think that, that, that not even winning a playoff game is going to hurt him. But then I don't believe Calvin Johnson ever won a playoff game. No, he, that's is... very true. That's very true. But no, they do it's... look at that, don't they? The the so-called yeah. playoff footprint. And also, um, he's never been a, an all-pro. Yes, he went to a bunch of Pro Bowls, but he's never been an all-pro. I think that might hurt him a little bit. But we'll see. Talent-wise, I think absolutely. And, of course, the longevity. He got injured. That affected his stats. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say no, but there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And as you said before, there's no doubt he makes the Ring of Honor, and he'd be, you know, he'd be almost um, one of the most, if not the most, deserving of that. Um, certainly in the year that he played for the Bengals yeah, in the last yeah. ten years or so. Um, Quite a few from that team would probably get in. You know, like Gino, obviously, Ring of, um, yeah. certainly Ring of Honor. There's a there's a debate to be had about his Hall of Fame credentials as well. Um, yeah, Dalton would probably be be a Ring of Honor candidate for sure. He broke several franchise records when he was here. Um, yeah. They, that was a good team. That was a good team. There's no getting away from it. You know, you don't get to the playoffs five times in a row without, without being a good team. Here's another question from Richard Murgatroyd at Richard Murg 90 Following AJ's retirement, who's your top five Bengals wide receivers? Um, I'm guessing Richard Murgatroyd means retired. Um, and it really is a toss-up between Chad and uh, AJ. Chad at the top I think uh, Chad not, Cur- not, is, Des- not Desmond Briscoe for you not say? Desmond Briscoe no um, maybe he's number four or something like that but uh, um, but yeah I mean Chad was an all pro he went to a whole slew of pro bowls as well and uh, but they're completely different different players you, you, we talk about you know the different generations we've got T Higgins doing the same sort of thing that AJ did he, he you know high pointing those yeah. balls amazing catches 
But just some, I mean, obviously there's a lot of highlights that have been going around. AJ's highlights are just fantastic. Some of his catches along those sidelines and his, his, his uh, you know, his ball skills, his hands and his, his, his coordination for such a big, lanky guy is quite strong it, as it's well. It's almost a bit of a hybrid between T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. He had T. Higgins, like you were saying, the sort yeah. of physicality, the ability to go up and get it. But he also had uh, Jamar Chase's speed and body control and yeah and that type of thing he's a bit of a sort of tweener between the both of them but just an incredible downfield threat someone that you know certainly had the speed to beat you deep you know he must have been what six three six four yeah, minimum yeah, old, yeah, i would imagine yeah. incredibly um, athletic um exactly yeah um so who's who's your so it's, it's either chad or uh, aj because i think aj uh, aj would have gone on if it wasn't for the injuries he was only you know, he's pretty close behind Chad to break his franchise receiving yards records and touchdowns. So I think I think I might just go AJ. But Chad was such a twitchy player, completely different. Um, also absolutely fantastic. And what he did for the club in terms of profile, again, was amazing. Three, I'm going Isaac Curtis without a doubt. Um... Four, I'm going Carl Pickens, I think. And then five, you can talk about Chris Collinsworth. You can talk about Eddie Brown. You can talk about TJ Hushmanzada. Uh, you can talk about Darnay Dar- Dar- Scott as well. Um, Lavernius Coles for you, son. Lavernius Coles. Now, there's a name, Nathan. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's a name. Um I mean, we've been we've been quite lucky, really. Tim McGee you can throw into that. He was he's a really good receiver. You know, we've been really lucky um, uh, in Bengals history to have such good uh, wide receivers. You know, um, Kelly Washington, remember him? I've actually um, uh, I've actually got a Kelly Washington <laughs> jersey somewhere. Have you really? I have. I thought it'd be quite uh, a cool. Um, quite a cool little pickup that means nothing to know, but it's quite a nice jersey actually. I wear it to the next meetup. He's quite a high draft pick, was he, Kelly Washi? He's a little remember. bit before my time, I think. I can't like, remember. I can't remember. I mean, yeah, me. 2003 sort of time. Like, I'm not looking. I mean, he wasn't pretty... great. It wasn't like amazing, you know. So, no. Um, um, and you also have to mention Charlie Joyner, who left us to go to the Chargers and became a... Uh, he was pretty good when he was with us in the early 70s, but then he went to the Chargers and became a Hall of Fame uh, player. Um, so, yeah, we've been, I think the phrase is, blessed to uh, have so many great wide receivers. But certainly Chad and AJ are currently at the top of the tree. Um, and then certainly Isaac Curtis, and then it's a flip, uh, then it's... Carl Pickens, I think, and then you've you've got a choice. I think I might. Trouble is, Eddie Brown was Rookie of the Year uh, when he played, so it's a toss-up between him and Chris Collinsworth at number five. But yeah, fantastic uh, player. Uh, so AJ, thank you very much for the memories. Thanks for destroying the Ravens on numerous occasions. Um, thanks for that incredible hail mary catch against the Browns. Do you remember that? Um, against the Ravens, was it? No, that was against the Browns. Two. Oh yeah, no, he had two. One against the Browns when his his juggling skills are put to good use. Do you remember when he sort of juggled all over the place? Yeah, and that was just yeah, on the stroke yeah. of halftime. And then there was that Ravens one as well, just to add to the Ravens killing uh, reputation. But yeah, great career. Uh, certainly um, in the conversation for Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly nailed on a Ring of Honor place at some point in the uh near to medium future i would say and and as as fans you know he was again he was the reason why so many young fans chose the Bengals. so um aj we cincinnati salutes you thank you very much for an amazing career and good luck uh to whatever comes next um do you know what feels crazy with AJ Green retiring for me is seeing a player like that that's been like you've seen from when they drafted him, he's had a good long career. We're talking about him having Join a, the club. You know, well, yeah, you talk about him having a borderline um, Hall of Fame career and he's retiring and it just feels crazy, you know, to see 
players like that go through a whole career and then retire. It makes you feel very old, I must say. It does. It does, doesn't it? Just when you, as you say, when you see careers from the start to the finish, there's something uh, quite strange about that. Uh, right. Next topic, I think, is Joe Mixon. Um, Joe Mixon, of course, uh, the news came out um, last, uh, late last week, uh, that he was, uh, he would an issue went out for his arrest for um, some sort of misdemeanor, allegedly involving a gun, uh, which is never good. And then it turned out that um, uh, that uh, case was thrown out because the Cincinnati police didn't stage a kosher investigation. Um, and that I think they're still gathering evidence and trying to do it properly and figuring out whether it can uh, can whether he can be prosecuted. From what I understand, the uh, the accuser still does want to file charges. So. It's not good optics. It's not a good look, um, and of course, you know, many think that Mixon could be a cap casualty. Um, and if this story is true, or if there is any truth in it, we just don't know what happened uh, happened yet, really, and what the uh, what the charges are. Um, you know, a lot of people asking. Whether the Mixon should be cut, uh, Trequart Beaster, would you keep Mixon? Good running back, but it's an expensive contract, and he can't pos- a pass block in a pass-first uh, offence. And Rob Hill, uh, part of his message, uh, Rob Hill at Surely this season says, "Shocking oh, handle, <laughs> shocking handle." Uh, Rob, you've got to change it to Surely next season now, I think. Uh, oh, and no crazy talk, Rob says, about cutting Mixon. Even McCaffrey would look poor behind our line. Um, Nathan, it took you a while to get onto the Mixon train. Um, what's your... I'm not saying you dislike Mixon. I think he's a really good running back. But uh, what's your take on all this? And, and, and you know, uh, the, the guys make some quite interesting um, comments there about Mixon. Um it's difficult because the off the field stuff something has most likely happened based on it's not just completely fabricated is there's something out there that you've probably got to digest and see how serious it is if charges are filed if it ever goes anywhere even if it doesn't go anywhere internally that is a slight concern that a player with a, a, a checkered past is involved in something else like that but hopefully you'd say it's an isolated incident. You would have to say that Joe Mixon's been a model professional, certainly on the face of things, ever since he's been drafted by well, the Well, that's bank. the thing, isn't it? I mean, we all were disgusted by what happened at college, and I think me and, you, me and you both were a bit kind of tentative, to put it mildly, when they drafted him. Um, but since he's been at the Bengals, his behaviour has been exemplary. He's sort of yeah. explained the context... Um, uh, under which uh, he lashed out at that uh, uh, the the young woman in the restaurant when he was at Oklahoma. Uh, he's been very remorseful. He's been the model teammate. He's mm. held you know kind of football um, camps for kids during the summer holidays. Um, so I'm not going to say it's out of character because we don't know you know we don't know him. But um, but this seems a bit. You know, waving a gun at someone in a road rage incident, uh, saying that the police can't touch me, allegedly. Um, it's not a good look. It's like, come on, Joe, what what the hell are you doing? You know, it's a bit of mad road rage. It sounds like, doesn't it? Um, exactly. It did happen, but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's not the thing with Mixon. I just purely on the field, he had an all right year. You know, three point nine yards a carry, eight hundred yards. I know he missed a couple of games, so you got to factor that into it. Seven touchdowns. His receiving game was very good this year, four hundred and forty-one yards. That's the most he's ever had, even despite missing games. So they really did do a much better job this year of getting him in on the passing game. Those stats are inflated quite heavily by that one mad game against the Panthers. Um, but like I said, then you're saying he did miss a couple of games anyway. The reality is with Joe Mixon, in my opinion, and you can talk about the line not being perhaps up to scratch, but there was a good period down the back end of the season where the line was playing very well. They had their starters in there for more or less the entirety of the regular season. I know obviously you can say, well, the chemistry wasn't there at the start, but 
I think the reality with Mixon is he's a middle of the pack running back at the moment. You could be polite and say he's maybe between 10 and 16. There's a lot of very good elite running backs in the NFL that I don't believe for a second that he's as good as people like Nick Chubb, McCaffrey, people like that. You've got people like Travis um, Etienne or Etienne, however you pronounce that. Um, <clears throat> and in... I, th- I think that's the point, isn't it? Uh, running backs out of uh, perhaps only next to wide receiver perhaps you feel that you can pick up a decent running back in the draft right uh yeah in fact sure. quite lower down uh in the in the rounds there um so this I mean, is the be, question be the, yeah i mean he'd be the third highest player on the team i think next year and you've got a lot the, of third contracts coming paid. up yeah, I believe it would be something like that. It's a very yeah. expensive contract. And you do look around the league, and would you say he's in that same tier as people like Derek Henry, Chubb, Josh Jacobs, um, McCaffrey? No, no, yeah, but you've but... got to look at what we are as a team and what we are yeah. as an offence. And first and foremost, we're a passing offence. And certainly last year, we became the prototypical West Coast offence by, yeah. you mentioned him catching the ball. You know, there was a lot of underneath stuff. There was a lot of moving the chains, not by running the ball, but by just dinking it out three, five, four yards, move the chains, yeah. move the chains from passing the ball. Um, so that's got to be factored into it. And also, when they made, when the line did start to gel mid-season, I'd say, uh, Mixon and the running game became one of the, you know, it wasn't the most spectacular in terms of stats, in terms of yardage. But you look at the efficiency and it became one of the top running games efficiency wise in the league so you know you can choose your poison on this to to, to fit your argument i i i I go back and forth on this i would be but ultimately i just knowing what the bengals do and how they operate i would i would be surprised if um if they if they if they if they got rid of Mixon, I really would. That's just not their style, and they love Joe Mixon, and we know yeah. how loyal this this club is to their boys, you know. And um, so I'd be surprised. And but then the next question is: If you keep Mixon, are you going to pay Samaj P Ryan, who had a really good season, was super reliable, much better in pass protection? I'm not saying he's got the thousand yards a season chops that Mixon has shown in the past uh, but he he's one of the better number two running backs in the league so who are you going to pay and I, what, that, I, what that backfield is it what what's that backfield going to look like next year yeah I mean the question I think does come down with the whole Joe Mixon debate is who do you replace him with? Because as to your point, son, and you know, the question is if you do keep Mixon, do you keep P and I hear that you say that, um, you know, P Ryan had a great season. I think that's, I think that's a push. I think, Oh, you know, I thought he was terrific last season. I, I thought he had some good games. I mean, he only averaged 4.1 yards a carry out. He ran with a lot of heart and passion at times. He's never been a real top back around the league. He's, he's a bit, he's actually older than Joe Mixon, surprisingly. I just don't know if at this stage in his career going into um, next season, if you could sit there and say, OK, we saved the money on Joe Mixon. That could be invested elsewhere. That could be put towards the Burrow contract, the Chase contract, put to be um, put towards another lineman, whatever. I don't think I'd be comfortable sitting there and saying, right, we're throwing some RJP Ryan in as the lead back. Even if you wanted to maybe draft a back in the, the later rounds, it's a risk you know you're giving this guy you're starting running back roughly 15 to 20 touches of the ball a game for sure p ryan's not really a pass catching back at the field he's not necessarily got the you know the sort of elusiveness and the speed that you'd perhaps want at that position um and then if you turn around and say right we'll draft someone i know you can pick up running backs in round three four five six seven you look at what the chiefs did with pacheco getting him in the seventh round that's not going to happen every time. You know, no, you absolutely no, no. could draft a running back in rounds three, four, five, and six. And yeah, that, that's about sure. the spot so, that I'm looking at, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just feel that it's a tough one. And it, unless you go out, this is the thing that people aren't talking about. Do you go out there on free agency? Well, I'm just looking at the free agent list now of running backs. You've got Raheem Most because the Bengals. Let's face it, they're not going to go for a superstar. Then let's let's just get this out of the way first. They will yeah. never hit a top-tier free agent. The way they built this team is buying up good players, 
but yep. not in that top tier. So they can get more of them. And they've, you know, you look at, you know, they got rid of Carl Lawson, for instance. They they chose not to retain him. Who do they get uh, in a, in his place? Trey Hendrickson for cheaper, mm. and you mm. know he's been terrific. Uh, they let William Jackson go, and who do they get in their place? They got Mike Hilton and Chidabe Awuzie. Yep. Yep. They yep. do good business. I I actually love the way. Uh, it's not the home run stuff. It's not the flash stuff. It's not the top tier stuff. Because why pay so much for one guy when you can get like two, maybe three uh, yep. guys who are, you know, yes, yeah, a bit more of a risk, but you know what I mean, who are affordable and you can round yep. out your team. Uh, but let's have a look at some of the running backs, shall we? Uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, yeah. Miami. He's on $2.12 million. He probably won a pay rise for Miami. Uh, P. Ryan is on $1.65 million. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders would be a bit tasty. Uh, he's only on uh, $1.3 Million, but he he's going to get pay rises from the uh, Eagles. If you think we've got problems in retaining players, you should see what the Eagles have got coming up. They're they're going to be seriously dismantled after this season. Jarek McKinnon, who impressed when he played for um, uh, Kansas City against us, he's on one point two seven two million. Uh, Latavius Murray, you know he's uh, um, so. There's a few. Kenyon Drake's been played pretty much every. Uh, single team in the NFL and always pops up here and there. Jeff Wilson at Miami as well. Um, Devin Singletree at the the Bills. You know, so there's some, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, there's some uh, Tony Pollard, blimey. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, he's going to get a big pay rise. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, there's some, uh, there's some good players out there still and not in that top tier. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tricky one. I would be surprised, even with the cost, uh, the cap hit, and everything else. I'd be surprised if the Bengals cut Joe Mixon just because it's kind of not what they do. But you never know. Uh, we're talking about a team now that ha- really has to capitalise on where it is at the moment. It's a contender, and it will be for the next few years. T Higgins, by the way, is not going fucking anywhere. How that story spread like wildfire over the internet over the weekend was just ridiculous. Uh, I think the Bengals are more likely to extend T Higgins than they are trade. He ain't going to go anywhere uh, for the next no, I don't couple know. of years. I agree, I agree. Um, and so, just... so all of that. Um so yeah, you know, but yeah, it's it, these are decisions that have got to be made. And I'll say something else, if I may. Uh, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot tonight, but obviously I was bullshitting. <laughs> um, there seems to be a lot of anxiety with some fans going. I want, I need, I need reassurance that this team is not going to break up and we're going to be okay next year. We're going to be okay next year. Most of this team will be back next year. You know. Yeah. Uh, and face it, you know, it's facts of football. You are going to lose players here and there, so I, you know. It's all the other contenders as well. It's not just going to be us. That are going to, I mentioned the Eagles. Um, you look how many free yeah. agents the Eagles have got. It's unreal. So just yeah. I was just say, chill your rockets. It's football. Good players come and good players go. There will be another Jesse Bates at some point. There will be another if Joe Mixon gets that gets cut. There will be another uh, hero running back that comes along. Do you know what I mean? But anxiety, having this guess, having this anxiety, yeah. I know the principles stay the t- same, right? You've got to draft well, you've got to sign decent free agents that fit yeah, your budget, exactly. your style, and your your scheme, etc., etc., and your culture. Now, obviously, uh, so the principles remain the same. What has changed a little bit is the um, the need for immediacy. It's it's that kind of we are contenders now so it kind of somehow means a little bit more than it did before do you know what i mean making the right decisions uh, at this time when we're in the mix and the windows open um what does that look like i don't know maybe we'll be able to this this could be the last year that we go out and splash a bit on free agency perhaps um obviously joe I think they'll be they'll be keen the Bengals <laughs> free agency because it was something they never, ever... You, know, you go back to AJ Green and Andy Dalton's era, they never used it effectively at all throughout that period. They didn't really spend much, and they didn't really have much success on the players they did spend on. And it goes back to that 
that deal for Antonio Bryant back in the day where they paid him God knows how much and he never yeah, suited that yeah. up and it kind of scared him off and you know they paid quite a bit of money for Sam Adams back in the day if anyone remembers Sam Adams the big defensive tackle didn't work out but they've been geniuses at it in the last couple of years I mean you look at the core of this team yeah. It wasn't drafted. It was DJ Reed, a Trey Hendrickson, um, BJ Hill. They went and traded for in the offseason. They brought in Leo Collins. They brought in Kappa. You got Mike Hilton. You got Karras. You got all of these fantastic players that have been absolute key contributors um, to what we've done. That wasn't something the Bengals. You got a couple of guys. You got Wallace Gilbury back in the day, and you know, the yeah, odd, it was fantastic. The yeah. odd person that would come in and do a bit of a job, and Reggie Nelsons and people like that. But it was few and far between. Whereas the way they've done it, they almost haven't made a bad decision. You look at um, what Hayden Hurst came in and done this year. You know, you lost CJ Zama. He went out and got paid by the Jets. You bring in Hayden Hurst. You save yourself money. You actually upgrade the position. There's everything that that front office has done for the last couple of years in free agency has turned to gold. Now, the, the reality is, is it luck? Is it good judgment? Is it a bit of both? Because you can't, re, you know, it's going to be very difficult to just keep doing that and just keep bringing in players that are perhaps undervalued by other teams and them really standing out. So yeah. it's a big off season for the Bengals. As you said, son, you've got to, um, you've got to be effective with it. You've got to keep tooling up. You know, you still got Joe Boy on a pretty, pretty, you know, healthy <clears throat> contract, but obviously that's gonna come to a head soon. So, you know, the the, the clock is on. And that, going back to the whole Joe Mixon thing and where he fits into all this, it's gonna be difficult and a bit of a risk. And I agree with you. I think they'll probably keep him because. Who that you? What do you do? You can draft someone. If you draft someone in the first round or the second round, one of the top running backs in the class, pair them with P. Ryan. I'm okay with that in terms of quality. I think that'd be a reasonably good solution. But it wouldn't be a good use of your first round pick. I don't really think long term you want to be spending first round picks on running backs. You know, I just don't know if that's the right thing to do. Um, but otherwise, if you do, you know, I, did, I also don't think you want to trust the running back spot to a number one guy in the third or fourth or fifth round. They might be good, but it does feel like a big risk because at least you know with Joe Mixon, certainly on the production he's put up for the past five, six years, he's a very good running back. Is he top five, top ten maybe even now? Maybe not, but at least you've got that consistency. He's a good teammate in the locker room. You know, front office likes him. He's got a good relationship with the offense and the line. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? But it is. It I is. still don't think it's a great use of spend. I, I think we'd be wildly overpaying him. And then if you're talking about some RJP, Ryan, are you paying both of them? Again, that feels like a fairly poor use of money when there's other pressing spots on the team. So, oh, yeah, it's yep. a bit of a, it's a tricky decision, I tell you. It is a tricky one. And as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if Mixon is still running back number one next year but there we go although there are compelling arguments as we've just laid out not to have him let's let's kind of you know free up some cap, cap space and uh, get one of these uh, third fourth round running backs you know I know Andrew Dockerell uh, really really likes um, uh, a running back from Tulane uh, and you can read Andrew's Senior Bowl draft. Yes, the draft season has uh, begun. And uh, mock, um, Andrew Dockerell's mock draft. Number one, the Senior Bowl special, selecting um, players uh, only from the Senior Bowl, uh, is up on bengalsuk.wordpress.com. And he selects a running back in round four, uh, uh, Ty J Spears from Tulane. He thinks Solid handle. It's a nice, nice. Honestly, there's some. I can't wait to play the name game again. Oh, I know it's outrageous. Some it? of the names are just absolutely bonkers. Right, uh, Bruce Varney at Varney B. Uh, who do you re-sign, stroke, extend among Bell, Bates, Pratt, Wilson, Higgins, Hurst? Cool. Um, I think this year, I think it's crucial, absolutely crucial, that they re-sign Von Bell. Because I think Bates is on his way. Everybody, you know, I mean, his interviews after that AFC Championship game were quite emotional. And it seems that um, he's going to be on his way. I'd love to keep him, but it seems to be that case. So it's crucial that we sign Von Bell to pair with Dax Hill. Not be not only, be A, because Von Bell had a terrific season last year. I thought he played really well. 
Um, but it's crucial for his leadership and experience to help Dax through the open because next next year I think is going to be Dax's year, isn't it? I'd like to see them uh, keep Pratt if they can, but he's going to be asking for Lord knows what ten millions, eleven, twelve. I don't know. Yeah, I think probably a bit more. Yeah, I, I thought he was outstanding last year. He's had a terrific couple of years. He really has, and he deserves the payday um, because he's a really good player. I'd love to keep him, but we'll see. Um, I think Wilson and Higgins will come the year after. Um, although no doubt they're talking to them both at the moment, you would imagine. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Long hair, lovely, long, flowing hair. Uh, Hayden you sound Hurst. Quite, you sound quite creepy with your, your bunged-up voice <laughs> and that. I think normally it might come off all right, but you sound uh, like you're... Right. You're lurking <coughs> behind him down a dark alley with that voice. We've got a few, th- a few sort of uh, last line of defence at Kieran underscore Barmer. Um, assuming JB3 departs in free agency, what can we expect to see from Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson, who's been the forgotten man this year, has been injured for most of it. So, you know, that'll be Tyson's rookie year. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the table. But uh, certainly Dax will be starting in Jesse's place and... Uh, Hopefully we can see Von Bell back. That I, I think Von Bell, for me, is the priority, actually. Um, yeah, and he won't command a crazy amount of money. You can tell the Bengals don't want to fork out that sort of money at the safety position for Jesse Bates. I am gutted that Jesse's going. He's a great player, great leader. He's been fantastic for us you know, since he was drafted. I know he's had some up and down um, periods, but for the most part, he's been excellent. He really turned up and played his best football in the playoffs, and I'm going to see him go. He'd be a great pickup by another team out there. As you mentioned, son, you've got to really go out there and get Von Bell. That'll probably strengthen his negotiating position because he'll be thinking to himself, well, they ain't paying Jesse Bates. They're not going to want to completely overhaul the position. We don't know what we're getting from Dax Hill. We really don't. He played a very limited amount of snaps this year. Some good ones, some bad ones, but probably not enough to really, you know, truly evaluate him on. So that's a question mark. He's a first-round pick. They obviously liked what they saw, but the jury's very much still out on him next year. Hopefully, he can have a good training camp and pre-season. So, I thought he looked yeah. good in, in spots in certain times yeah. of coverage. He committed a few penalties on special teams, but you know he's going to be learning. And that's what he drafted these guys the, for. He's a first-round pick. The and, one you know. question mark, just thinking about it, on that point about the penalties and everything else... You know what worries me a little bit with people like Dax Hill, like rookies that are sort of learning the system... And we'll get to this, I'm sure. But if Lou does leave... Well, let, let's leave that. Let's shelve well, that because we're going to talk about the coaches. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying if he does leave, that's going to be difficult for some of these guys that are <clears> you know, <throat> sort of making the step up because you sort of learn one defence and how they're sort of operating that and then you go, you got to pick up a new um, defensive coordinator if Lou does go. So that is potentially slightly difficult for some of the rookies this year to sort of change it completely. But that's life in the NFL, isn't it? They've got to learn, it is, whoever, yeah. whoever. But, yes, it's a, it's a pain. But um, uh, again, a, a last line of defence says, next man up, can Akeem Davis Gaither fill the void at linebacker if Pratt leaves? Or do we draft Noah Saul in round three? Um Akeem Davis Gaither is not the same kind of player as Jermaine Pratt. He's a kind of do-it-all, good-in-coverage sort of guy. He's not really a big biffer, run-stopper like Pratt really excels at. I just really loved Jermaine Pratt's uh, gap discipline. I think he's he works ever so well together with Logan Wilson. Um, I'd love him back, but certainly I'm not putting Akeem Davis Gaither in as a replacement for, um, I think Marcus Bailey is more of a replacement actually than Jermaine Pratt, um, that type of player, do you know what I mean? Um, Jermaine Pratt's done the perfect job of being okay for the first couple of years he was here and then typically, which happens quite a lot in the NFL, someone has their career year and absolutely goes all out um, in his contract year. and. He, he has been fantastic this year. PFF grades through the roof. His stats are better than they have been in the past, and he deserves a good contract. I am not sure the Bengals will give it to him. I think they'll probably prioritise Logan Wilson and paying him the yeah, money. I think I think there's a there's another line. I agree with you. I'd love to see Pratt uh, back. I think, like you say, his development has been 
I mean, that's what you want from a player. You want him to bet in, show yeah. some signs, and then just get better year on year. Um, and that's exactly what he's done. And you know, fair play to the to the coaching yeah. staff. I think I think we could be looking at another linebacker in the draft as. Uh, Kieran says it could be Noah Saul in round three. It could be. I've got my eye on uh, Henry Tua Tuo uh, from Alabama. I probably massacred that name, but um, at the moment I'm just just getting into the draft at the moment, so just seeing who's available. What? Uh, but yeah, linebacker could be a uh, could be a need position for us if they don't re-sign Pratt. Um, it also might be something they look at in free agency where they think they can get a guy in for a year or two on a prove-it type contract. They've done really well at that in the past, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, bringing guys in. So that may be if Pratt does go for big money, um, more than they want to pay, 13, 14, 15, whatever it might be, that's where they might go and try and get a guy for three or four or five that they think's got a high ceiling that could come in and replace him. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they went down that route. Um, almost to try and do what they did with CJ Zama and Hayden Hurst, that kind of um, someone pays big money for a player that you think you can perhaps not upgrade because I think mm. it'd be outrageous really for us to bring someone in that played at a higher level than Pratt did this year. But at least someone that could maybe offer you slightly, only you know the, the difference didn't match up to the money i guess um kieran's been busy he says uh, he also asks if we're looking for a, an offensive tackle in free agency and another in the draft and we certainly should be which names should we be discussing um i've got a feeling the bengals i mean this is the discussion right it brings us to leo collins another apparent cap casualty lots of people saying that collins should be cut but the Bengals spent a lot of money on Karras and uh, and uh, Kappa, who had an excellent season, I think, um, before he got injured. It was just really unfortunate. Those three, you know, and Jonah Williams, they, they were starting to really gel and play well together. And I honestly think we would have stood, I mean, this is stately obvious, I think, but we really would have stood a much better chance in that AFC Championship game if those three uh, were playing, I mean that's against. You win the game. I really think you win I think, the game. I think, yeah, I think there's a real chance of that, you know. Um, um, but Leo Collins, I was disappointed with him to start with. Um, out of everyone, he was he was the high-profile signing, and Karras and Kappa looked pretty solid. Uh, but Collins was was having some real problems in pass protection. Then he started to to gel with the rest of the line and showcase his own skills and then, you know, got injured. So um, in terms, a lot of people, you know, actually quite rightly, I think, because Collins probably won't be back until September after the ACL. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it takes a bit of time, as we've Just seen. for a big guy. Uh, you know, we saw last year, actually, when Denergy came back from a, an ACL, he was thrust right in there, but he struggled a little bit to get his his full movement and confidence back. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did go offensive tackle relatively early. Um, could even be a first or second rounder, something like that. They've been drafting offensive linemen early for the last for the last. I know, five, right? Six, seven every years. every year they seem to be. Yeah. Um, I've been looking at the free agents actually, and. Um, Again, we're not going to go top tier. We're just not. Yeah. Um, well, are we definitely? I, mean, I don't think on the offensive line. But do you, to your point earlier, <clears> do you, you don't think there's a chance? Because I mean, you forget last time, and I nearly fell off my chair when like one of the first deals, I believe it was Ted Karras, wasn't it? They went yeah. straight out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, or maybe Alex Capper. I can't remember which one of them it was, but it was like right out the blocks, tampering period time. You don't ever expect the Bengals really to be active during that period and it was full guns blazing so I know they've got cap room I know they've got big decisions to make but I don't know maybe this team maybe this team has got some surprises up their sleeves I'm maybe, not saying it's going maybe, to be an offensive maybe. line but you know I, th I think I think they may they might draft someone uh, or they might go a second tier someone like a Juwan Taylor from Jacksonville yeah, exactly. Uh, might, yeah. might be glitches up for grabs. I think that's a grabs. safer bet. I think these, yeah. these linemen, they just do take a while to develop. And the worry I've got with the line is that I don't think there's a player 
on the current roster that's going to take that step forward to become an obvious starter for us. The most, no. perhaps, which seems a strange thing to say, perhaps the most likely is Jackson Carmen, but he's such a limited sample size. He had yeah, a no, I, I mean, I don't think he's done himself uh, any harm with his performance at the back end of last season, but I, I think one thing is absolutely clear. He's not a guard, he's a tackle. Yeah, exactly. So... Are they comfortable with Jackson Carmen sort of depping for Leo Collins until he gets right again? Do they pick up someone in the draft, which is likely? Because um, I just don't think Adenergy or Danta Smith or anyone like that, had, they've been around a while now. I just don't think that another off-season is going to turn them into the answer of this this problem for us, you know. Um yeah. No, I agree. I but do you go out and get an Isaiah Wynn or a Jawan Taylor or someone, again, a second-level guy? You're not going to yeah. get an Orlando Brown, for instance. No. He's no, going to no, get I paid agree. the earth. He's the best offensive tackle in this free agent class by no, a country mile. Agree. But you yeah. could get someone serviceable. Um, in terms of draft, um, I've seen Broderick Jones mock to us. I've seen Dawand Jones uh, mock to us. I've seen uh, the lovely long-haired Cody Morch and certainly Darnell Wright. Um, that seems to be uh, talked about a lot. And Andrew has selected him in our mock draft, or his mock draft, rather. Um, you know, so there are options out there. Right. Um, let's spend the last bit of this on um, the coaches. Uh, we could be in deep shit next year. Nathan, or at least in the interim period. Uh, Chris Roberts at uh, 1066. Chris says, if Lou and other key, key coaches depart, can we still be competitive next season? Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. And again, Kieran, Kieran Barmer uh, says, Callahan, Anarumo, Pitcher, who do we want as replacements? I find it very difficult to answer this question, especially with the assistant coaches, because, you know, they're... Basically, they will know. This is again. This is football. This is the price of success, isn't it? Um, you're a, you're a very successful team. People want a slice of what you're eating, you know, and that means the coaches. And certainly with Lou, uh, he's had a fantastic couple of years. Um, so the current state of play. We're recording this on Tuesday, the seventh of February. It's important to say the date because the news cycle mean uh, you know moves so quickly. Brian Callan is interviewing for a second time uh, for the head coach position of the Indianapolis Colts. Lou Anarumo is um, uh, interviewing for a second time uh, with the Arizona Cardinals for the head coach position, and he's down. Uh, he's basically one of two. The other is that they've got a philosophical decision to make, Arizona, because Lou is the defensive guy, Mike Kafka is the offensive guy. So, which way do they want to go? Um, Dean Pitcher has got a second interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for offensive coordinator and Troy Walters the highly regarded uh, wide receivers coach has got an interview with the Houston Texans for their offensive coordinator job this time next week Nathan we could be I mean <laughs> we could be without an offensive coordinator a defensive coordinator a wide receivers coach uh, and a quarterback coach. I mean, that would be pretty devastating, uh, I think, especially with Lou. A lot. Of, some people seem to be less worried about losing Brian Callahan and some of the offensive staff. But if we lose Lou, I think that would be a huge blow. Let's. Let, there's no getting around that. But again, this is football. This is what happens. We've been there when Jay Gruden moved on, when Mike Zimmer moved on, when. Hugh Jackson moved on. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, it, again, like players, they come and go. And I'm sure that the club will have drawn up some sort of list of people uh, that they want to go looking at, if any and all of those guys go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? And you said it perfectly about the this is the price of success because you do get people come cherry-picking um, unless you're Eric Bieniemy, somehow after all this time, yeah, still have weird, a, a look at head coach. But um, I'm not as worried about Callahan. It's easy to say that. Um, it's sometimes always difficult to know just who is the sort of the the man behind the 
plan, I guess, because you've got Zach Taylor who calls the plays, you've got Callahan who was, as well who's in there with Joe Burrow, you've got Joe Burrow himself who will have a lot of weight and influence on that offence. So always difficult to know um, exactly who the main person is there and sometimes it can be difficult to charter what their influence is. I don't think there's much of a doubt with Lou, um, especially what he's done bringing in those players he'll obviously have weight with the front office saying look these are some of the guys i'd like to bring in for my defense they've brought them in he's got the best out of them they've all played well above par for what we expected for them coming in he's got that unit playing as a unit as a real team with a lot of heart we've talked throughout the season just how good that defense has been without necessarily any all pros or elite elite talents on there you maybe say trey hendrickson dj reader but still the way holistically across the board he's got them playing has been incredible and he absolutely deserves um to be very deep in this interview process now the Cardinals is a difficult one as you were saying like Kafka being the offensive choice Lou being the defensive it's how Arizona look at that they'll want to keep Kyler Murray happy so potentially the offensive side of things might factor in that but then at the same time they might think that's their strength the defense is actually letting them down a bit do they need a someone like Lou to come in and get the best out of that side of the ball that would be a difficult one. But I think there's a very good chance we could actually come out of this completely unscathed and they all stay for another year. Yeah, I, I mean, that's surprised. the flip side of the coin. But I tell Brian you... Callahan's I... got a lot of people against him. He's not by any means down to the last couple. I think no. they've got Raheem Morris is in there and Aaron Glenn, the guy from the Eagles, the offensive coordinator. I can't... Shane something, he's in there as well. The fact, I think, and I've read this, that apparently the fact that Callahan um, has got a fairly good relationship with Peyton Manning which goes a long way at the Colts is um, a positive for him in that that role but I don't know if they, we lose them it's, it's a really it is a problem and that's going to be a hole to fill and you've got to come back from that but the one thing I would say especially on the offensive side of the ball you would imagine that you would have applicants flying off the yeah. roof to come and work and with I Joe And I said they will have a list of up-and-coming yeah. uh, young coaches, innovative 100%. coaches. They're not going to go into this blind. They know what the scores are. I, If Lou goes, I will say uh, I will say this. Um, I think Lou's replacement is already on uh, the team. Go on. Uh, James Betcher, the, um, uh, the Bengals linebacking coach. Now, he has... Uh, he was hired after um, he was hired after the uh, went well. He was hired after uh, Al Golden left, and he could be another candidate. Bring Al Golden back, you know. You absolutely love Al Golden. No, I'm just saying, man. I don't. You love Al Golden. I I, I think I think um, do you know what I mean? I think it's James Betcher. He's got his he's had defensive coordinator experience with the Cardinals. And the Giants, he was a senior defensive assistant at the 49ers, one of the best defences in the league. Um, and now he's linebacker's coach. He knows the system. And you know what? Continuity is everything. And, and, and the Bengals have been quite lucky, not just within, we talk about injuries, but continuity of coaches, I think, is really important. And yeah. they've had four years of it, basically. And I think uh, Betcher being in the system for a year... He's already started working on the draft and who he likes in the draft and so on and so forth. I think he's a shoo-in. I just think he's a shoo-in. You could probably mention Robert Livingston, the defensive backs coach as well. Um, but I, I... It's hard to know, isn't it, Like what these guys are is. like on a day-to-day -day basis, how good a coach are, how well-respected they are in the organisation. I always think it's quite hard to, to comment on some of the assistant coaches. For you people, uh, situation... mentioned Mike Zimmer as well. Bring back Zimmer. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? But uh, but but a point. My Marvin Lewis getting back, he could run. Well, there. Marvin, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's certainly, because... certainly, at the, as you said, the assistant coach level, you want someone someone up and coming, and yeah, do you know what I mean? And they've had a pretty good record in the past couple of years. They've hired hired running back coaches. They've hired tight end coaches that we haven't had a. You know, the only thing they messed up with was Jim Turner, but you know, their yeah. first year or so. Um, the, the, 
the thing is for the Bengals, and you said it earlier with the young coach up and coming, because Zach Taylor is the play caller and you've got Joe Burrow in there, you're not probably going to go out there and get an experienced previous head coach or offensive mind. I'm not sure that's the type of character that Bengals would necessarily look for. I think, as you said, they might go out there and say, right, we want a young up-and-coming guy that we can mould and that knows the system because Zach's very much the or you know he's the play caller he's the mastermind behind the offense him and joe burrow you i don't think they're going to add a strong personality to the mix that's going to want to come in there and do his own things so i think that's much more likely to be a young up-and-coming coach maybe someone on the staff maybe someone that zach's familiar with um that he'd be comfortable working with defensively if lou goes i think that i, I know you mentioned in, in inside an inside job um, for the replacement, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they did go out there and get a slightly bigger name. They they can't afford to muck around here um, no. or take a bit of a gamble. They well, need to make sure. Well, that... also there's a time factor because the combine is just around the corner, and you yeah, know, the draft process sure. is starting, and the free agency first. So, you know, um, it's difficult. I mean, as I say, I I'm going to go for James Betcher in house if Lou goes because I just think it's a no brainer for me. It's continuity. He's got the experience as a DC. He's worked with the 49ers, who are a damn good team. Um, you know, why the hell not? You know, he's got everything there on the on the resume that you want, really. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see. Um, we're going to have a couple of minutes talking about the Super Bowl. Um, we haven't spoken about our players of the year yet. I think, Nathan, how about we come back next week and just talk about, you know, do our position group grades and all that kind of stuff and talk about players of the year next week how about that sounds good to me hopefully i can stop coughing by then um super bowl i to be honest i don't care i'm not gonna watch it i don't really care (laughs) that's That's the spirit (laughs) that's my summation of it um um i think it'll be a good game two good teams um i don't know I, i actually quite fancy the eagles in this one i must say i'll go for the chiefs They've been there, they've done it. Andy yeah. Reid, Nick Sirianni's not been there before. Hurt, neither has Hurts. The Eagles had the easiest schedule in the NFL, I believe. Pretty nice, yeah. cushy run through the playoffs as well. Not that any run through the playoffs is cushy, but you know the Giants at home and then playing the 49ers with Josh Johnson for most of the game and then Brock Purdy unable to throw. It's pretty no, nice. No, I get that. Out. I get that. That's a fair point. Yeah, I just think I just think I just think that the Eagles offensive line this is the big difference between the Eagles and us and I think we would have had a problem uh against the Eagles actually their, their offensive line is probably the best in 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 the league yeah. they've got a fierce pass rush I think we would have if we'd have got to the Super Bowl we'd have had big problems against the Eagles pass rush I can tell you that now even with a fully fit offensive line um so, you know, will Chris Jones be as effective against that offensive line? I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, it's 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 uh, Mahomes, isn't it? And you never discount Mahomes. You can never count, count the guy out, you know, or Kelsey. They, they just have a habit of doing things. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, the Eagles have got two terrific wide receivers. Um, I think they will cause some problems. I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go for the Eagles. I think they might just edge it, this one. I still think the Chiefs, are, I like the fact that it's in Arizona, it's, the weather will be decent in a dome, that'll probably favour the better passing team, which you'd have to say it's is Kansas dome, City. It? It's Glendale's a dome, yeah. Is it? Or they could put the roof on it, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I mean, the okay. weather conditions will be will be good. It's not going to be Bye. down in Arizona, you know, like blowing a gale and minus degrees like it might be in Buffalo. So... I, I, it'll be certainly better passing conditions that I think might favour the Chiefs but I think Kansas City probably be fairly healthy by then you'd have to say Mahomes' his ankle probably would have had a decent couple of weeks rest Kelsey I know he had the back issue potentially again that will help him Kadarius Tony's come out and said that he is going to be playing no matter what um so you'd like to think the Chiefs will be in a pretty good position. I haven't seen tons of the Eagles this year, but you've got to respect their record and respect the fact that um, of what Nick Sirianni's done with that team and how far off that Jalen Hurts has come. There's a lot of questions about him a year or two ago about if he was seriously going to be the guy to take him forward. And you've got to take your hat off to him as not even a first-round pick that he's led them to a Super Bowl and an incredible record that they had. I mean, they were, God, like 11, 12 and 0 at one point. So, Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be two, a good game. Both teams are absolutely there on merit. You know, the Eagles, you don't get... Um, I know I was saying they've had an easy schedule, but you don't get to the Super Bowl um, without deserving it. They're 16-3. and three, And you look at the Chiefs, they beat the, the best team in the NFL in the last game. So mm. they deserve to be there as well. No, that's... Well, yes, exactly. Um, uh, are you going to watch it? I, yeah, I... I, I okay. I feel, you know, I'm a bit knackered this month after all the the late night shenanigans um, of the playoffs. It wasn't as kind to us this year, schedule wise, in the UK as it was. No, last it wasn't. It wasn't. But, wasn't um, no. I, I I've watched all the Super Bowls for the last, you know, five ten years. So I I am going to watch it. Um, I'm pulling for Kansas City, even though they beat us. And we um, should also say a good luck to uh, Carlos Dunlap. He's going to be exactly. He's got his. Uh, Super Bowl appearance and um, good luck to to the big man. Yeah, uh, for, for sure, that. for sure. So yes, enjoy the Super Bowl wherever you watch it. Get your snacks in, get your beer in, get your nap strategies worked out. Uh, just a shame we couldn't be there, isn't it? Really. Um, Give me a score prediction, Sam. Go on. I'm going to say Eagles twenty-seven, Kansas twenty-three. Ooh. Again, Kansas 31, Eagles 20. Okay, well, there we go. We shall discuss uh, predictions next week in the next episode of Cincinnati. And uh, we haven't really had time to go through the team uh, and do our grades and end-of-season grades and players of the year, which, which are up on our social media uh, feeds at the moment, at 2day underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook and Bengals underscore UK on Instagram. But yes, um, enjoy yourselves, everyone. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. It's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.